Welcome back to Blamo. My guest this week is photographer and visual journalist Tommy Tan. Tommy and I spoke about photography, street style, and his rise from design assistant to shooting campaigns for Louis Vuitton and singing karaoke with Kanye West. Let's do it. You're on. Hey. <laughs> um, Tommy Tan, the Don, the photographer guy, the man behind the lens. How are you doing? I'm great. This is cool. So excited. Yeah, I'm glad that you came on. We're actually, I'm going to be honest, we are sitting in your brand new condo. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Tommy Town is now a resident of Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. (laughs) It took how long? I don't know. A long long time, yeah. Yeah, it took, let's see, it's 27, yeah, yeah, It it took some time. Yeah. But you're here. Yeah, finally, which is good. Yeah. So, how does it feel to be a homeowner? I still feel like I'm in an Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's some boxes and stuff out. We'll, yeah, yeah. You'll get it. We'll figure it out. Um, I wanted to have you on to talk to you about your career. And, like, for me, you're a really good example of, like, constant hard work all the time. And also someone who's extremely talented and who has a killer eye. I mean, I think I first met you... Oh, geez, what, 2009 or 10? 10. Yeah, 10. Yeah. Okay. Outside of uh, Capsule. Outside of Capsule. Those are, remember trade shows? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. You guys would crash trade shows. Yeah, yes. Yeah, me, Lawrence, and, uh, and, and Moy. And, you know, when you were, this is, I think you, you had, were shooting for style.com. Uh, yeah, I was still shooting for style.com and that particular day I was just doing it for myself. Right. This is when Capsule was on 22nd, was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they were, they went from like the basketball, New York basketball place downtown 22nd. And yeah. Yeah, they were all over the place. Angel Oriana Center, I remember they were there. Yeah. You were wearing shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Actually, I have one of those photos. Because I don't know, I didn't have a mustache then. No. But yeah, I was wearing like I short shorts. I sent you that shorts. photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah you Lawrence and John. Yeah. Or Justin, sorry. Oh, yeah, Justin John. Yeah. Wow. So you were, I think when people think of street style photographers, they'll think of you and or the sartorialist, but most of it. Yeah. Or both, yeah. yeah. Um, or no, I sorry, I said Bill. Oh, Bill yeah. Doy. Yeah. yeah. Bill Cunningham, yeah. RIP. But I, even for me, actually, I found out about you first before Bill Cunningham, just because, you know, like Bill Cunningham was always doing the New York Times and yeah. no throwing shade or anything at him at all. But like, I think from where I was at, like you were shooting these, like, it felt to me like a, almost like kind of avant-garde stuff of, of what you were shooting. And it was because this was also at the time, and we can talk about this too, of that there were the, it was like the Peacock era, which yeah. we, can get, we can get into. It, it's a generational thing. Like, I guess a lot of guys discovered street style because of GQ as a platform and yeah. seeing those images. Right. So and that's, that's kind of what I want to get to. So you're from Toronto. Technically Oakville, Ontario. Okay. Excuse the me. suburbs of um, Ontario. Yeah. And how did you even get into this? Uh, that's a long story. Um, how did I get into it? Uh, so in 2005, 
um, when I was working in retail slash buying at Holt Renfrew, which is kind of our luxury department store. I just had this. Wait, what was the store called again? Holt Renfrew. Okay. <laughs> um, I had this idea of launching this lifestyle website where I would go around and take pictures of people on the street or feature product that I want. I wanted to tell people you could buy it here or whatever. Um, yeah. So I had like a mild interest in street style, but it was more about sharing what I was seeing. Like I actually got tired of this whole celebrity culture and I just wanted to show people that there's other, there's people out there that wear designer clothes. So I would take my camera and I would go to events and go to Toronto fashion. We can take pictures of what everyone was wearing. And I would make sure that, you know, like you would know who they, who they were, what they did and what they were wearing from head to toe. Anyway, um, I got pretty bored of that pretty quickly in Toronto because <clears throat> no offense to Toronto, but you know, it's not a really exciting fashion capital. So, sure. um, I was also working for, uh, this vintage retailer, online retailer, um, Linda Latner, and she, I took this job cause it gave me a lot of flexibility, um, doing the side project that I wanted to do and also having a nine to five. Um, so basically in 2007, February, 2007, she, let me um, go on a trip to London and Paris as a bonus. So that was really nice. Um, just because I, I really wanted to explore what I had been seeing. Like, this is when Scott was um, emerging and, you know, I'd seen a lot of Japanese street style. Scott Schumann. Scott Schumann, yeah, yeah, sorry. No, it's fine. Um, <clears throat> so I went to London, and this was during my new rave phase. I was wearing Jeremy Scott. So Jeremy <clears throat> Scott, and this is also before, no one had heard of him then no no they they had but it was more like this was be- well, in terms of like mainstream i don't think yeah like, jeremy scott was that this was yet. like during his, this is before his adidas collaboration so this is when <clears throat> i mean it's still pretty bright and colorful but it was just very there was just like the scene happening in london and i was very intrigued by it so i wanted to go mm-hmm. um you know go to some fashion shows and also just try to get into some parties so i went to london and it was quite a Quite a scene, and then I went to Paris, and then I think that's when it clicked in my mind that I wanted to do this. Like I went um, to a few shows. The first show that I actually got into was Balmain, and this was before Balmania happened. This is is this Descartes? This is Christophe Descartes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I went in just you know waiting outside the entrance, and then they just magically let everyone in because that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> they were just trying to fill in some seats, and I went in and. Being such a fashion enthusiast and seeing, I had no idea what Balmain was at the time. So seeing all these models that I adored, you know, walking in and all of, all of a sudden the soundtrack is The Cure and I'm just freaking out. And then after that show, I went outside, it was pouring rain, but I just start dancing in the rain. I just feel so <clears throat> elated and I, I just couldn't believe you could have that feeling to be so excited by fashion. And then I just thought to myself, I'm going to do this all the time if I can. So. After that season, I just said to myself, every season I will do whatever I can to go back every season and, you know, take pictures of people outside the shows. So that's kind of how it happened. Wow. So I, first of all, I never knew that story. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then when when does Jack and Jill blog come along? Is this like the platform that you were using? Yeah. So at the time uh, I had a website called like that I created in 2005, which is jackandjill.com. I was encouraged by like, cousins to, to launch a blog They're like you should do a blog and i'm like oh, i don't know about a blog so this is also before a lot of people were yeah where everyone had a blog but it was like if you want to have some type of communication 
yeah. you know, land, this would be it. Yeah. Um, so it was two years of just going, you know, obviously to New York, London, Milan, and Paris and taking pictures. My initial format was just taking head to toe photos of anyone that caught my eye and I would list their name and what they were wearing. And I thought that was going to help break me into the system, right? I thought just being such an enthusiast and knowing what people were wearing was going to make, help me make my mark, right? Mm-hmm. But then that didn't really work out. So doing that for two years, it was still fun, but I was draining my, you know, my pockets and my bank accounts. Because this is self-finance? This is self-finance. But gotcha. at the same time, my flights are being covered by my boss, Lindo. So that was really nice. But, you know, I would come back from these trips and I'm, there were times I couldn't even afford to go home from my job. Like, I actually, I was fortunate to have friends that would let me, well, I was cat sitting, so I would be crashing at their place without telling them. <laughs> or, <laughs> I, okay. or I had a friend that ha- I had keys to her store and like, God bless her, Marlene, but she, I would crash on this dog bed, right? So yeah, like I would be spending all my money abroad, you know, trying to pursue this, but it wasn't really happening. I mean, I was working for a Canadian newspaper or a Canadian magazine, but that's not paying me enough, right? Because obviously I'm spending all my money on clothes while I'm abroad <laughs> and obviously paying for an apartment. So um, yeah, it was two years of struggling. And then um, I just decided, you know, I should launch a blog because I started taking these pictures of which is what I've become known for, which is these random kind of like documentary style photos of people walking or like details of shoes. So I just launched this blog um, in September 2008. And then, sorry, when I meant two years of struggling, I meant four seasons. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> sorry, okay. in fashion, do- uh, fashion years are like dog years, basically. <laughs> a lot happens in a short period of time. Um, so yeah, I launched this blog. And then within you know a few weeks of it being launched, I started getting this reception from the industry. And I was just like, oh my God, people are paying attention to what I'm doing. But it's just the way that things were captured and the captions I was putting on the images, they just found it funny and it was a different point of view. So then that's when I realized, okay, so I should start shooting without even asking anyone to stop for me. I should just- Oh, so because you were, you were asking people to stop and take their photo. Yeah, like- initially. Because like, that was the thing. You would, always, you'd be, you would stop someone and ask to take their photo. You, you would never just think, oh, I'm going to do it like a paparazzi photographer because that's obviously really rude, right? So, <laughs> but I wasn't getting in anyone's face. I was just doing it from a distance because sure. I'm still shy, but I was really shy back then. And I didn't really want to always stop and talk to someone. So I just started taking their picture as they were walking towards me and then, or just f- focusing on their shoes or whatever. Right. So then that became a thing. And then within a month and a half after launching that, I get an email from Lane Crawford, which is a huge department store in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the Barneys of um, China or whatever you want to say. Um, they asked me to shoot their campaign and I was kind of like, sh- I was shitting in my pants. I was like, <laughs> really? I was like, like a few months ago, I had no idea what I'm doing. And now like they want me to shoot their like official campaign. Like it was kind of crazy that they asked me that. So, um, this guy, Declan Chan, he had emailed me and I was in shock. I just didn't even know, like, what do you charge for that? Like, I, I didn't even know I'm still shooting automatic, you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. So. Um, obviously I agreed to it and I served as my own agent. I asked a few friends for some advice. Sure. Um, and then I flew to Paris to shoot this campaign and they wanted it exactly to the T, like how my blog looked like in terms of that format of an image with a caption. So that was kind of surreal. And then, um, obviously, you know, things were picking up. People knew what I was doing. So Um, real quick, your first paid gig of like first paid photography gig. 
is a department store, yeah. an international department store, ask you to shoot their lookbook. Campaign. Campaign. Yeah. That's pretty There's big. a difference between a lookbook and a campaign. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, a lookbook is not plastered on billboards or, like, in, within stores. Yeah, so, okay, so this is even bigger. Yeah, so, this was huge. So, yeah, like, I, I thought it was a joke, but, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty alarming. Um, nobody believed it when I told them. I told my parents, and they were just like, uh, whatever, sure. <laughs> That's great. Because, uh, you know, I told them how much money I was making from this, and they are just like, yeah, whatever, we'll see if they pay you. Um, that's, that's fair. Protective parents. Yeah. Very protective parents. Um, so then, yeah, that happened. And then, yeah, things gradually built up. I was more focused on women's wear than men's wear at the time. Um, so then, which made sense because I don't think that the men's wear industry was, was that big. Yet. Yeah, there was, it was, I mean, it was existent, but it was just not as exciting as it was right in the next coming years to come. Um, so then, yeah, like obviously things are getting better and then um within a year like this is we're now at september 2009 um scott had left his position at style.com so he had been shooting for style.com and mend at style.com and he left and then i get uh, a message asking for me to come in to the office at style.com and i'm shitting my pants twice <laughs> <laughs> because ever since i was a teenager i was f- obsessed with style.com like you would look at it like it was the bible basically right um so they called me in and i was just thinking what am i going to do because um earlier in the week i actually accepted a position at my mag to shoot for them and that was already amazing <clears throat> so i go into style.com and speak to dirk standen the editor-in-chief and he said you know like scott has left and we kind of want you to take on his position and shoot street photography for us and i was just you have no idea. This is like me jumping up and down inside, like fireworks are happening. Were you just like very stoic? Like, oh, oh okay, sh- sure. Yeah, like you try to <laughs> maintain composure and not overreact. You, you remember in like Who Framed Roger Rabbit when he, what does he do when he has a drink or something? No, not when he has a drink, when he gets overexcited, like he starts jumping up and down. Yeah. Yeah, that's me inside. <laughs> Um, I so, love that you compared yourself to a cartoon character. Oh, yeah. It's very Tommy Tommy. I'm very, <laughs> yeah, I'm basically a cartoon character all the time. Um, yeah, so then that's really when things took off. That was the turning point. Like, and so what year is that? That was in 2009. And so you had basically been shooting for, so maybe four years, right? No, uh, four, year dog, four years in dog years, but two years. Okay, so that, that's pretty good. So two yeah. years. Two years, yeah. Um, just shooting random things for Canadian newspapers or magazines, nothing international. And so I think that's where you, to me, and because uh, I was kind of like budding interest, but you know, I never really thought that I could try to get in the industry or anything like that. But that to me is where you just really like launched more into to the main stage. And, and it's crazy because yeah. I had no idea you had shot a campaign before that. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that, that that's a big deal. It was a big deal at the time, but then you know, like we weren't really connected so much through the Twitterverse or through Tumblr. Like everything was still pretty amateur at that point. Like yeah, um, yeah. Like I I was not aware of if I was using these platforms, whether it's a blog or social media, that it would help further my career. So, um, yeah. Obviously, if I had known, I would have done this earlier, but. You know, but, hey, <laughs> <laughs> everything was just happening pretty quickly when it did. So, 
yeah, in that first season when Style.com happens, um, I, I do go, like, I was going to some shows here and there, but not being officially invited to sit at a show, right? Yeah. So, like, in Milan, um, Dolce Gabbana reach out and they say, oh, we want to invite you, Scott, um, his girlfriend at the time, Garance, and Brian Boyd to, to our show. And we're like, okay, sure, we'll go. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen. We go in and there's four laptops plopped on, like, plopped up in front of us on these platforms. And we're kind of like, what are they doing? Like, they're putting us in the front row, yet alone, I've never been invited to a show in Milan. And they want us to sit there and like type on our computers. And what? yeah, yeah. So it was, <laughs> it was quite a publicity stunt. But if anything, it really turned out to be quite something because from that moment on, it was, kind of, it was a message basically saying to the fashion industry, we're embracing digital media at this point. Right. So that happened. And then a few days later, this was for their D&G show, by the way. So they have two shows. They had two shows at the time, D&G and then their mainline, Dolce Gabbana. So then a few days later, the Dolce show happens, but um, they've pretty much mixed us up in terms of where we're going to sit. Because we were all sitting together as a group of four, but now we're all sitting in different places. And you're also, while you're there, you're still shooting. Yeah, I'm, still, sh- I'm still shooting outside. So you're running as soon as it's over to, to shoot people outside. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I'm, sw- I'm sweating buckets, like I'm wearing this t- gray t-shirt, and you can see all my sweat lines on my shoulders. So then I run in thinking, okay, they're going to have laptops again. Maybe it won't be as bad this time. And then I see that my there's two computers um, kind of sandwiched in between Anna Wintour, um, Hamish Bowles, Sally Singer, who are all American Vogue, and then Harper's Bazaar, Glenda Bailey. And I sit down, and I'm like, holy crap, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm one seat away. I'm sitting next to Hamish Bowles, and then one seat away is Anna Wintour. And I'm expected here to sit here and just Twitter. Oh, right? geez. So, so you're going to live tweet. The I show. was live tweeting, and right across from me is like these live screens putting up anyone that's tweeting at the Dolce show. So I'm just tweeting, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and then Hamish leans over. He's like, can you teach me how to Twitter? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then Anna's just like sitting there too, thinking like, what is going on, right? Yeah. So then a photographer comes and takes this picture because um, I'm sitting there and then Brian's sitting a few seats away as well. Um, Brian Boy. Brian Boy, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's loving it. I'm just kind of like, when this picture goes out, they're going to see how sweaty I am. Because <laughs> I was just outside running around taking pictures, right? So now I'm right. like, okay, so now we're just props for this publicity stunt. But okay, it's fine. So that happens. And, you know, the next week in Paris, I start getting invites to shows. I'm just freaking out. Like, I'm finally officially invited to Balmain and Givenchy, but I'm standing, which I have no problem with. Right. Yeah. So, like, it's finally paid off all these months of, like, you know, struggling and just hoping one day something was going to happen. But at the same time, yeah, Style.com happened, but then now I'm being invited to shows. So I'm just, like, everything's coming into place. Like, it's all happening. And you're getting paid. And I'm getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was just the start of it. Um, and then a few months later, I get a message from Andy Calmer and Michael Haney at GQ. And they asked me, oh, you know, we'd like to meet you and discuss about you possibly shooting for us. Because prior to GQ.com, it was, was menstyle.com basically. Right. Yeah. So when that folded, um, Vogue and GQ all had their own, their own websites. And that's when... Um, the magazine started realizing, oh, we're kind of lagging behind. We all need our own websites. Right. And <clears throat> I think also at that time, too, so you, you were shooting for Style.com, primarily women's, 
And then this is when you're, when you're getting ready to shoot for men's, I think like this was also times where, you know, Lawrence Schwassman, yeah. uh, me and, you know, Sartorial all inclined. Yeah. Inclined. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were all looking, uh, every day after fashion week. Yeah. And it was almost like, like, I can't wait to say this, but it really was almost like Christmas morning because you'd wake up and you'd want to see what the new photos were. Yeah. Because I don't think people realize this and this is something, so this is pre-Instagram. Yeah. This is, Twitter wasn't really that widely used. No, yet. Yet. And so you couldn't see exactly what was happening that quick. Yeah. And, and so, but you were that guy. You were that person that was starting to do that, that was showing photos of this is what people are wearing right now yeah um not six months from now not this and that was huge and so for me i was like oh that's you could actually see the difference in between the cities yeah when you would shoot in milan you're like that's the that's the milan guy that's the parisian guy (laughs) yeah and that was just that was wild it was crazy to have just to start from scratch and have this platform on gq and they gave me the flexibility just to do whatever i wanted and at the same time, I was also doing style.com for women's and I was just freaking out. I was like, how is it that I had nothing before and now I have these two jobs, right? Like I was, I was on top of the world, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I have this pressure now to have to deliver. And also style.com was like, well, if you're working for GU, you could do men's work for us too. And I was like, oh shit. So now, <laughs> so now you're shooting women's style.com, men's style.com and, and GQ style. Yeah. So doing that every day was a, was a lot. And I did it for, I think four or five years um so if you ever if anyone ever asks oh yo tommy you want to get some dinner i'd be like i gotta go home because like i've been out all day and i have to work out night and and, like you go through thousands and thousands of images it's it's quite hard and you lose sleep accumulate over a month and you're just so tired and it's not i I don't want to hang out with anyone it's just i have to do these jobs because they're so important to obviously everyone's watching and they want to see what everyone's wearing at the same time, it's like, it's my career. It's my back. I, I have to make sure that I'm staying consistent. So. Yeah. Because I guess other photographers at the time, you know, say, say someone like Mario Testino. Yeah. Right. He takes photos and that's it. Yeah. He doesn't really have to edit. He kind of chooses the selects maybe, but yeah. he's not doing what you were doing in the case, which is taking all the photos, looking through them, yeah. you know, choosing what you're going to send on to the editors. And I mean, you had to do every part of the job. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how did you keep from getting burnt out? Just, it's, it, you just do it for the love of it. And I was just very passionate. And I think when you have the support and encouragement of, um, you know, followers and I mean, your ego starts getting a little bit big because obviously, you know, people are telling you like, oh, your photos are really great. I'm so excited that you've taken my photo. And then you're just like, oh God, I have like this obligation to make people look good so then you want to always be on you just want to be everywhere at all times and you want to make sure you get the right photo and you you publish something nice but although when i look back and i was i don't think i was taking the greatest photos but it was just basically (laughs) documenting exactly what people were wearing and obviously things were a bit questionable at times in terms of what my focus was because i didn't come from a menswear background i just was focusing on what I thought was colorful and what made sense. So obviously I was learning just as much as everyone else was looking at the pictures. Yeah. I think that's what separated you also from other people that were trying to do that because what you just said is like, you weren't trying to, to capture that designer piece. You were yeah. more capturing how everything was framed together. Like how, how, you know, the color of what the person was wearing, yeah. the contrast versus let me shoot that label. Yeah. 
I mean, I would generally do that for women shooting a, a certain brand or label, but then with menswear, it was just like, I have no idea what's fashionable. I was shooting cargo shorts at pity, but, it, and like multiple bracelets. I thought that was cool, but then we all thought that was cool at the yeah. time, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I mean, it, it was cool at the time. So yeah. there you go. No big and, deal. and like stacking your leg up on the, what with the pity wall and then like pulling out a cigarette. Like that was cool. It was cool. Yeah. And then any 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 guy that was interested in fashion, you know, living in New York or whatever, was looking at these pictures, thinking, "Oh, I want to be part of that, right?" Yeah, I mean, I was, and I would say, I know you're not going to say this, so I'll say this, and you can agree or not agree. I don't really care, but <laughs> right. I'm saying this because I totally believe it's true. You created some menswear personalities from this. There are certain people who are in the industry who I think, yes, that they're hard workers, yes, that they have, you know busted their ass in the industry, whatever that they were doing. But your constant photos of them helped elevate them to a larger platform. Um, and you don't even have to respond. <laughs> but you were doing that. I, d- I don't want to say I created anyone. If anything, I, I hope... Like, I had this amazing platform, which is gq.com, install.com. And I kind of just helped, Which everyone's looking at. Which everyone was looking at. And it's kind of like I helped popularize you know a certain movement and glamorize something i was part of it i don't think i was instrumental in building anyone's career or, or personality i think everyone was everyone is there for the right reason at the right time and you know like i think it's kind of funny when people say oh you know i owe my career to you or you owe that person or that so people have said that to you some people have said that and i think it's ridiculous i didn't do anything all i did was just take someone's picture and like obviously you know like to me, that means the world when I can capture, whether it's Josh or Eugene looking flies. Eugene Tong. Eugene Tong. Yeah, right. Um, and we are all part of, a, of an emerging market and scene. Like menswear was just growing rapidly at the time. And mm-hmm. you had to put faces on, you know, on industry heroes. And these guys were just so cool. And yeah, I remember when I first saw Nick, out, Nick Wooster, I was kind of like very intimidated by this guy. but. You know, it was just a way of helping me build relationships and, and meet people. Because I, just like when I started in women's wear, I didn't know who anyone was exactly. I mean, you know who the models and the designers are, but you don't know who fashion, which, who buys for what store, who edits what magazine, right? Yeah. I mean, so, they were just people that looked really cool. Yeah, they were just people that looked really cool. And um, I was just, I'm, I'm very grateful that they were there and that there was someone to photograph. I mean, you don't see, I don't see these people in Toronto. So it's true. I, I was just really excited to see them, you know, abroad. So this is where I want to talk about. Um, so a lot of people were, were, like I was saying, were watching and reading men.style.com. Yeah. Looking at your photos and on then, GQ.com on, and on GQ.com. Yeah. And this is where, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I'll at least try to get you to talk about it. You got <laughs> reached out to from one of the biggest pop stars in the world oh mr west mr kanye west uh can you talk about like how that happened if you're referring to that photo of him and virgil and don c and um farnsworth and the infamous the infamous the infamous photo so that happened in when did that happen that happened in this happened before style.com ever happened. This at the time. So when I was in Paris shooting that campaign for Lane Crawford to rewind, mm-hmm. um, that was happening at the same time as the menswear shows. I thought, okay, I have some time to go some, go to some shows. 
So this was like outside um, the Comme des Garcons show. And um, there was me and another photographer. And we we're just like standing around, whatever. And then Kanye arrives. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, cool. Well, I wasn't a really big fan of Kanye at the time. I mean, I liked a few of his songs, but... Well, this was also before... I mean, what, this is right around the time Graduation was going to come out? Yeah. Yeah. Was it? 2007, I think. January 2009. Okay. This is after Graduation. Okay, after Graduation. This is... I think this is just before 808. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes with his entourage, walking, whatever. Um, No paparazzi whatsoever. So... They see me and this other photographer. And by the way, this is before I was even known or anything. Um, And then they just stop, assemble, and pose. And me and the other photographer look at each other. We just think, all right, let's just take this picture. Yeah. And we did. And I don't know. Oh, yeah, I posted on my blog. And, you know, not that I was credited, but it just, it circulated. Just because when you think back to that image, like how crazy it was just to see these guys dressed like um that photo circulated those looks circulated i mean south park yeah so the fact that 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 inspired a south park episode (laughs) i mean that was out of my control but just to show you how influential that photo was you know just the fact that they were just they were they looked like caricatures of themselves but they were still like the fact that they were carrying like goyard and louis vuitton luggage and like you can't even recognize Virgil, like him in his like Ralph Simmons Marvel shirt and Montclair puffer, but you're just and red like was he wearing red framed glasses without lenses? I don't know. Uh maybe. Yeah. But it just the fact that just the thought and attention to detail to their look and the fact that when they stood together, it was like they were like a gang. Yeah. Yeah. I would have called them like cool in the gang. But know. then Kanye reached out to you a few years later, right? Yeah. So a few years later, um, Thanks to the exposure I got from Style.com and GQ, um, Kanye was a fan of what I was doing. Um, so in Paris, he came to some shows in Paris. This was in 2011. Mm-hmm. He, so he was making his rounds going to the shows. He um, was going to some shows with a friend of mine, Anna Del Russo, who's the fashion director at Vogue Japan. And she was becoming like a street style star at the time. Or she, you. Or she was. I don't know. Me and other photographers. <laughs> I didn't create any. Humble Tommy. It's yeah. okay. Um, so this is outside of a show and, you know, things are crazy. This is in Paris. Um, so, like, people are running around trying to look for their car. And then Anna had left the show with Kanye. And I couldn't even get to that scrum because, like, it was just a bunch of paparazzi photographers surrounding them. So Kanye leaves Anya, Anya. <laughs> Kanye. Kanye leaves Anna and... Anna finds me. She's like, Tommy, Tommy, Kanye wants to meet you. And I'm like, huh? She's like, we need to find him. And I'm like, okay, sure. So she grabs my hand and we're like running through this traffic circle, which is Place de la Concorde. And like, we're looking at cars with like, you can't see into anyone's cars. And I'm like, how are we going to find Kanye? So like, luckily he sees us and he opens the door and he pops out and he's like, hey man, like I'm a huge fan. And I was like, hi. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, all right, cool. Kanye's a fan something's happening all right um so i just met him really quickly and he was really nice um so then like a few days later um this was on the eve of my birthday mm-hmm. i was going out to celebrate with my friend christine centenaire who's a stylist who works with kanye right now and stevie dance and we were at dinner and then she's texting kanye back and forth because <clears throat> kanye is a huge fan of christine's style and he's like yo what are you doing and she's like oh i'm out for dinner with tommy and in, at midnight it's gonna be his birthday and he's like yo i'm coming 
So he shows up with Virgil, and I'm just like, all right, cool. This is, like, happening. Um, so, like, midnight strikes, and he's like, yo, like, let's get some champagne, celebrate your birthday. So, so you're just, celebrating, you go from living in Canada <laughs> to celebrating your birthday with arguably the biggest pop star in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Time changes, man. There time does go. change, yeah. So, um, so that was really fun. So we all just, like, had dinner, we celebrated, and then... He was like, yo, let's go back to my hotel and just like sit and just like have drinks. And I was like, all right. So we go back to, where was it? The Bristol? I can't remember what hotel it was. So we just go and we sit in the lobby and we're just talking about fashion because, you know, he's obsessed and he just wanted to talk about clothes and stuff. And then we're a little tipsy. And then obviously I admit, you know, like what I'm a huge fan of. And I was like, you know, I really love 808. <laughs> 808 is it's 808 my favorite yeah. Kanye record so it he's is. like so what do you want to hear and I'm like um I don't know cold this winter <laughs> and then he starts singing are you serious yeah and then I'm like can you do streetlights and then we start singing streetlights together and I'm just oh, like oh I didn't know this yeah yeah so I'm just like why isn't this being documented <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was really fun and then he was just talking about how he wanted to launch his own line and Christine and I were like, just do it. But we're just trying to warn him about, you know, certain directions he should go. But it just, it made sense for him to do it. And he was smart to talk to people because, you know, like it's a huge, huge project and a lot of pressure involved, especially him being, you know, who he is. Um, yeah, I'm sure the expectations were yeah. high and still are. Yeah, obviously. Um, and yeah, it was also, you know, just sitting there and just exchanging ideas i remember this was at the beginning when virgil had his you know like fantasy about launching his own line and just the two of them like they were telling you about their internship at fendi and how no one would listen to them and you know we were just like just do your thing who cares you know like Mm -hmm. just manifest it and then i mean just to see where the both of them have come and not in terms of celebrity but in just being able to work as hard as work as hard as they have and create these two empires, it's quite amazing. Yeah, I mean, that being Kanye has Yeezy, his clothing line, and Virgil yeah. has Off-White. Yeah, um, I'm very, very... Which shows at Paris Fashion Week. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. And yeah, I'm to say that... I mean, I'm not really good friends with, with Kanye, but I mean, I'm friends with him, but just to see that, it, you know, it's, it's quite remarkable. I'm very proud of both of them, just to see that level of influence they've created within the industry. Right. Because they were outsiders, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and I think, I don't know what year this was, but there was, when I, when Lawrence and I were at Pity, I think this might have been Pity. This was a year after. Okay. So this was basically 2011. Wait, when did this happen? Was it 2011? All these years. Born so together. now, yeah, so now this is, yeah, so 2012. Yeah, you guys come to Pity for the first time, right? Yeah, this is when we were doing Run in the Mill, and we're at Pity, and yeah. I think we were, I don't know, we were just super hungry. So we peace. And we heard that Kanye was in Florence. And Lawrence, <laughs> I'll say it on here, and he says this publicly all the time, he is the biggest Kanye West fan. Yeah. I've always talked to him, I was like, what's your dream job? He's like, just work with Kanye West. <laughs> and he, I'm sure he doesn't care that I say this. And so we, we leave to go get food, and you're like, yeah, well, and we're like, Tommy, you want to come? And you're like, no, I got to keep shooting. I got to yeah. keep working. I never eat during pity, by the way. <laughs> the, well, the other thing, which I don't think people realize this is, 
it may look like you're standing around with your camera, yeah. but you're working. You're looking for people to shoot. And so, because I remember I was like, well, why doesn't Tommy want to hang out with us? And it's like, oh, oh, because he's working and we're here yeah, trying to work. It's just like, <laughs> the thing about pity at the time is just, you have to always be on your game. You always have to keep your eyes open. You, you never know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you guys are like, come out to lunch with us. And I'm like, I can't leave pity. I have to stay here, right? Yeah, and for those who don't know, I'm, I apologize. Pizzi Womo is a menswear trade show in Florence. But I assume if you're listening to this, you know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we leave. You guys go out for lunch, and then I'm messaging a friend of mine, um, the guys from Art Comes First, um, who have this design collective. So they're, one of them was like, oh, yeah, so Sam will be here soon. And I'm like, okay, can't wait to see Sam, because I wanted to photograph my friend Sam, Sam right. Lambert. And then Sam comes over with Kanye, and I'm like, Oh, hi. <laughs> what are you doing here? So yeah. Kanye arrives and he's a pity. Yeah. So then obviously I take a few photos. I'm like, okay, good to see you. Whatever. This is white dinner jacket Kanye. With yeah. The, white uh, dinner jacket Kanye. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, wow, you're in Florence. Good to see you. Um, he shows up and then he goes away. And then, and then you, we come you back guys come lunch. back from lunch. <laughs> We're like, hey, what, what's going on? What did we miss? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, <laughs> You're not going to believe this, but Kanye is somewhere around here. And yeah. Lawrence is like flipping out. Yeah. Justin Chung is like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because Justin Chung was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that was... Uh... The one moment you guys were hoping for all week. Yep. <laughs> Stuff. Just, oh, it always flips. It always slips through my fingers. Yeah. That's kind of my life in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Eventually... Yeah. And this is... I, uh, I want to pay attention to time and stuff here. But eventually, you... Stop shooting for style.com. Uh, yeah, I did because when it folded in 2015, rest in peace, the original style.com. Yeah. Um, it's because Condé Nast decided to cut style.com and turn it into an e-commerce site. So it was, it was heartbreaking for that to happen, not because of me losing my job, but just because, you know, anyone that was in fashion, you go to style.com as a source, your daily source, basically. Right. It's basically your encyclopedia or your Bible or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that was really sad. And also, <clears throat> um, just being part of this um, group of people that worked very hard to publish, you know, um, breaking news or just beautiful imagery or just just a place for you to feel um, welcomed and connected with, right? So when that folded, um, I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a break and not have to worry about delivering day-to-day coverage for anyone. I'm just going to focus on my own website, which I launched at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reached out to move on to Vogue, which is some of, some of the editors moved on to Vogue, but I just thought it just didn't feel right. Um, oh, and I also had finished my GQ co- contract before, just prior to this. So, um, yeah, so it was a time for transition, and it was time to focus more on things that I wanted to do, not necessarily just all street style, but being able to shoot for designers, you know, whether it's behind the scenes or backstage. Yeah, and because you also, you stopped doing Jack and Jill blog, which was your original platform, right? Yeah, because I just thought... So did someone, you get rid of it? What I just, I well, I got rid of... Yeah, I got rid of it just because I felt like, you know, no one was referring to me as the Jack and Jill guy. I was just yeah. known for my, for known for who I was, Tommy Ton. So I just thought, okay, why don't I just launch a website just under my name and, you know, from, it, it's just, it was more of a strategic decision to do that and it felt smarter. And plus I wasn't like 25 anymore with 
a random blog called Jack and Joe. <laughs> hey, it's fine. Yeah. Um, when did so one of the other things that you are are known for, um, in terms of your your street style photography and your photography in general yeah. is backstage, which you had just uh, mentioned earlier. And I think if you if anyone follows you, you're known for having a lot of these like really cool behind the scenes and sort of wizard behind the curtain look of what's happening at these shows yeah. while they're happening. And one of the biggest ones that you were doing, and I, I think you still do this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, uh, is the Victoria's Secret show. Oh, okay. Uh, How did that happen? I don't do that anymore, but I was but doing, you did it for a few years, <clears throat> right? I did it for six, six years. Okay. Because so yeah. I was doing it for, yeah, for style.com. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Yes, yeah, so like two months after... I started at Style.com. They reached out and they said, oh, they want you to shoot backstage at Victoria's Secret. And I was like, whoa, that should be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, doing for not, it's doing nothing for me personally, but I mean, just to be there, like the amount of friends that I have that are going to be so jealous, right? Right. So, yeah, I mean... It, I mean, Miranda Kerr's walking around and, and yeah. every other... Victoria's Secret is known for having the biggest and best supermodels in the world yeah like all these bombshells are pretty much running around in their lingerie and i'm just like okay cool <laughs> were you were you on the jet at that time uh the jet only happened when we went to london for that show okay so oh yeah because yeah, it was being done in new york yeah right? it was primarily done in new york and then when they did their show in london they had um a private jet and yeah i got to ride the jet with the angels um, with other press and photographers, so that was really fun. They did it again this year for Paris, but I, I didn't get to do it. So, yeah, it was six years of shooting a Victoria's Secret show, so that was really fun. Yeah, what is that like? Um, I mean, is it? I mean, is it a typical job sort it, of thing, or do you have to shoot certain people? Certain you there's they film twice, so you get two chances to do it. But the problem is, they also are filming for CBS, so there's like a there's a lot uh. of. Like TV crews. That's right. And there's yeah, a lot of security and everyone just thinks you're being a perv if they don't know you. <laughs> but they don't understand. I'm trying to focus on the details of the lingerie, not some girl's breast. Yeah. So, but, well, yeah. And I'm also thinking in the back of my mind, well, my male readers want to see tits <laughs> right, and ass. Um, yeah. So it was just, it was a, like, that was definitely a highlight of the year because it's just a very intense eight hours. Right. But being around these beautiful women it's just you do pinch yourself you're just like oh my god i can't believe i'm here yeah jeez so a couple other things i wanted to to go over with you is i before we did this i uh i have like this saved photo thing on my computer most of them are mm. pho photos that you've taken street style photo photography and i break them up in specific years and like okay this is 2010 2011 2012 <laughs> and I realized, because um, I, I put them in iPhoto now, and iPhoto like organizes your stuff pretty yep. easily. And as I'm looking through it, I realize like there's this perfect example of basically street style evolution documented through your photos. And you know, you we go from seeing the kind of 2010, 2011, 2012, where it was like Italian menswear thing, like people are in suits, people Sprezzy. are. Yeah, the whole <laughs> sprezzatura, the, the yeah. purposeful dishevelment or whatever people mm -hmm. say. And to now where it's streetwear. And then, like, I remember, you know, hood by air. And then that's yeah. kind of, you know, I think that guy is even taking a season off now. So the, the thing I'm getting at is thanks to your photos, you actually have this visual 
representation of an evolution of men's style, including women's. Like, are there any, like, certain things in that that you noticed or that you like that you're looking at now and you're kind of being like, oh, this was good. This, this won't ever go away. This is... <laughs> I don't think you ever wish anything to go away. I think from perspective of documenting, let's say if, I, if we focus on friends and in, in individuals, let's say, or even you, Jeremy, like just like Uh-oh. when we look at how, I don't want to say, oh, <laughs> but like, don't you think it's quite amazing to see how visually informed we've become in such a short period of time and that we have adopted so many different looks and trends just because we've had this access, right? Yeah. So, and thanks to, you know, primarily, I guess, street photography in some ways, you, it kind of makes you think, oh, if that guy is going to wear it like that, I can do that too, right? Yeah. And I just feel like we're a little bit more um, experimental in the way that we dress as opposed to celebrities, right? I mean, Kanye is a different example where he's all over the place, but, you know, like people worship the way he dresses. But then, you know, for someone that is really passionate, you can look at how someone's dressing in Tokyo or... Like Stephen Mann, I think, is, a, is a someone who I always look at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you look at these individuals who work in the industry and that understand how to wear clothes. And they're quick to make you want to change everything that you own, right? Yeah. I mean, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. I look at this and I was like, <laughs> I want to look like that. Oh, crap. I have all these clothes. How do I get rid of it and then yeah. move everything to that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember what you first wore to pity. You were wearing, what were you wearing? You were wearing. I was wearing Isaiah and Cuccinelli. And then I, I remember I thought I was <laughs> But really it was cool. the mix of how you were wearing it. Because I wore a Cuccinelli vest yes. over a Supreme parka. Yeah. I was like, check it out. <laughs> and, I remember, and, and Tom Brown's and your pom pom, yeah, and your pom pom, and Tom Brown's pants and your pom pom hat. Yeah. And I remember you got one comment from this one kid in London, who I won't name, and he was just so harsh. But oh, I just boy. realized, but y- you don't care about those things. But the thing yeah. is, at least you took the risk, and you. The surprising thing is when you look back, that was actually really forward at the time, you know. And that's how kids dress now. Yeah. You know. But yeah, if anything, I'm really, really happy that I have this archive of these people that I've made friendships with or relationships with. And, um, and I can show them, look how much change you've gone through in the last six or seven years. Yeah. It may not be a full 10 years, but like, it's crazy to think how much we've changed and not just professionally, but you know, on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, look at, not to bring him up again, but look at Lawrence. Yeah. Like when I first met him, like in terms of the way he dressed and what he was interested in and now, you know, and where he's working now, it's, it's quite amazing. And it's true. And not, not to say that I feel like a father or anything, but I, I am very proud of everyone in terms of where they've come and how they've embraced this whole world yeah. of social, digital, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that I want to get to is Instagram. So because of Instagram and stuff now, there's this sort of immediately see what's happening in yeah. which it's funny because you talked about going to this D&G show where there was a laptop in front of you yeah. and it was like very experimental at the mm-hmm. time. And, and like, a, like you said, a publicity stunt into yeah. which now I saw the Prada show of this season mm. as it was happening from somebody who just popped up Instagram. Live. Yeah. Like, do you think that that's good is that bad i i don't know what it is it, it but it for me it does kind of i don't know i just don't know what to do with it i always say now like it's just really funny how an industry that 
with Thrive on Change can't even keep up with change now. <laughs> so it's it is everyone is pretty much shaking in their boots basically because they can't. I mean, they are fully embracing this huge sudden shift. You look at certain brands and everybody has a different strategy in terms of how they want to tackle Instagram and live streaming and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's no one can control it. Basically, you're going to come to a fashion show and every aspect of it is going to be exposed. Um, and that's a good thing because there are people that are hungry for this information and they want to buy things right away or they just want to devour it. Um, and not, I remember the way that I had to learn about fashion shows, like way back when I, in 97, when I first became interested in fashion, I'd have to wait till every Thursday when the newspaper came out and there was like a little review and you'd have one picture that came with it. Right. Yeah. So the fact that now you can, you know, watch from someone's phone from their perspective, the show, um, see every look right away. It, it is a bit, yeah, it's kind of like you have too much sugar and you just become so full of it and you don't want any of it anymore. So mm-hmm. what, like the, I feel like the moment you see something go down the catwalk, I give it about like a week or so and then you kind of get bored and tired of it already. Yeah. Which is really sad. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's definitely how I feel with some of the stuff into which that, you know, say it's Balenciaga. You or, mean the baseball cap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. stuff like that in which you see it and you're, I, I don't know, I think some of it, and this is just, I'll speak for myself, has made me more judgmental and more dismissive yeah. of stuff because I actually doubt the originality of ideas now. And yeah. this is, I, we don't have to get that deep, but it's, I'll see it and I'm like, oh, well, they're just ripping off this because I saw it. I can make the connection. I'm sure yeah, they yeah. can too. And, and I think that I actually am not, it's not very fair to some of these designers to do it. But also, I mean, the whole point of a lot of this stuff is creating your own environment and and your own sort of like visual look and representation and in some way i it's like i'm making their job harder by yeah. just dismissing it all the time I, I don't know it's i mean from a pr perspective it's it's harder to i mean like you like they have to be very strategic about obviously placement of product yeah in terms of what happens with it after like are they going to lend these samples out to a certain celebrity or digital influencer or I mean that's the problem now like things just die out really quickly like you think it's cool when you first see it and then like you know the moment that you see a bunch of kids wearing and they're Instagramming selfies of themselves wearing it you're just kind of like it hasn't even fully reached all the stores around the world and you're you're over it yeah you know and like I really do miss that sense of anticipation anticipation and, and excitement about a product coming and you know, you've seen the ad campaign and you can't wait to finally buy it. But now it's just before it's even, you know, been advertised properly, you're just over it already. So I think it's kind of, it's sad that the old format of fashion is kind of dying out. And I think there has to be other ways of being inspired and wanting to buy things. I think what's more sustainable and what I actually really love doing is buying older stuff that I wish I could have afforded at the time and now I can buy it. And I think that's kind of more interesting when like someone archival pieces, yeah, or? like archival stuff, or thanks to like Grail, you know, like you can go back and buy things that you know you were searching but didn't have the chance or couldn't find. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes someone with an eye to be able to mix it all together and not feel like, oh, I have to wear that because it's in season, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's so it's less about the new, new and more about like those 
key pieces. Yeah, exactly. Over the years. Because I just feel like when you know that someone else is going to be wearing it at a fashion show or an event, you're just kind of like, I don't want to wear that. Yeah. Because everyone's going to recognize it right away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know, say striped jeans or whatever that is, or striped jeans. <laughs> well, I mean that people, uh, cause that, I mean that one thing I've noticed now is the, the athleisure niche of everything. And yeah. so it's like jeans with stripes down them, track pants. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Track pants are dope. Yeah. But yeah, like everything has, it appears to be like sportsified. That's which is not yeah. even a word, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I really, yeah, as much as I always say I love street style, it's, it's kind of a shame when someone ruins it and you're just kind of like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> no, like you have someone like Eugene Tong who can make anything look really cool. And then when you see someone else do it that's well known, you're just kind of like, oh, why'd you do that? Now you've kind of ruined it for everyone else. But that's, I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You, you kind of have to be like, well, yeah, obviously you want to spread these images all over social media, but at the same time, you don't want everyone to be wearing it. So Yeah, right? I mean, I had a friend into which I would tell him, because this is when I was super into like Boris and CCP. And oh, Rick I remember Alex. that face. <laughs> and I was telling him all about uh, like Boris and CCP. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, this seems kind of cool. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm saving for this jacket. I hope I can get it. Yeah. And then the next day I saw a motherfucker had the jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, I was saving for that. You know what's sad is I'm actually guilty of that. Where I'm, <laughs> Well, I've definitely done that from you. I've been like, oh, Tommy had this cool thing. And I'm like, oh, maybe I can find it on eBay. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I could have just given it to you. I wouldn't have. Well, Nothing ever looks that great on me anyway. Whatever. Um... <laughs> but yeah, so I know we're, we're starting to wrap up a little bit. Now that you're here in, in in Brooklyn, in New York, yeah, uh, permanently at least, more uh, or less, it's kind of like my home away from home. Yeah. Um, what sort of stuff are you working on now? Uh, what am I working on now? Um, I'm actually working finally. It's taking quite a bit of time on my first book. Um, I can't talk too much about it, but um. Yeah, it's been years and years in the making. I mean, I think it'd be ridiculous if I were to do a photo book and call it my 10-year retrospective, which it has been now 10 years. But um, yeah, it's a fun little side project that I'm working on. Um, you know, in between the seasons when I'm not sh- you know, shooting at shows, um, I, uh, I'm shooting, whether it's an editorial campaign, no, what's an editorial, not an editorial campaign. <laughs> I hear you. A digital campaign or something like you know, like it's nice to have steady commercial clients. Um, you know, I guess, I guess when I stopped doing here on a side note, when I stopped doing the coverage for GQ, right. Um, a lot of followers in the men's world were concerned about where these images would go that I'd be publishing them. And they, they, I have to admit they don't go anywhere except I'm holding onto them for my archive and for my book. Um, well, it's good that you own them. Yeah. And I own them and yeah. And I have to say people have lost interest in what I'm doing. I, I I know that for sure, but um, I do work a lot on commercial jobs, and obviously, I have an apartment to pay for. And um, but yeah, it it just ranges from you know whether I'm working for Michael Kors or Marks and Spencer to Loewe or or Louis Vuitton. It's basically making the right choices, and you know whether I'm doing something for free, it turn it just pays in, in work later on for other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Wow. <laughs> I'm just, I'm I'm a little bit more quieter in terms of the presence I used to have because I obviously had the platforms with Style.com and GQ, 
And I think things are different now for sure. You know, like I think we've just, we're just full in terms of how much access we have in terms of content and being able to buy things and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there is, there is a lot of, because I think at least at the time when we were talking about the style.com, there was no other place that was doing street style. Yeah. Um, or there was, but just well, not, it, not to the degree where now, like you can just check to like, if you're someone photographed a lot and you just check to see who's tagged you, like, you know, over, overnight, you can see how many people take pictures of you. So basically, yeah. Yeah, there's there's plenty of photographers, and I'm not saying that everyone takes bad or good photographers, but the the coverage is, regardless, always going to be there. If you're inside of a camera, you're going to be shot. Yeah. So like, it doesn't really serve a purpose for me to only just focus on shooting, you know, street style because everyone else is doing probably a better job than I am. But nah, I don't know. No, I'm I I know I'm not the greatest photographer, or I'm a good photographer, but it's just a point of view that I have, and. I mean, I don't have that platform anymore, but it's fine. I mean, everyone is on Instagram now, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's cool. So you're working on a book, and yeah. and I mean, obviously, you're shooting campaigns for, you know, yeah, I mean, campaigns but, are little jobs here and there. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. I mean, we're, we're, we're wrapping up a little bit here, but I want to ask, like, is there is there any other stuff you want to add? Is there stuff you want to mention or plug or? Uh oh my god. Uh I'm not gone. <laughs> I'm still around. Well, that's definitely I don't think there's a single person who thinks. I mean, I know that for me there are yes, you were saying there are a lot of people who are taking sort of fashion week shows, but yeah. there are still only a few that for myself that I want to look at. And, you know, for me it's always been trying to find like the Tommy photos. Be- yeah. I I don't know. And I think it, and I'm not going to try to butter you up too much, but I think what you choose to take photos of and yeah. what you don't like i would stand next to you occasionally sometimes and i would see like when your camera would go up and down and i'm yeah. like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like so that guy looks maybe he he didn't look as cool as say this person yeah well i i've learned you really do have to keep an open mind in terms of what you're shooting cuz you just can't be really picky because you never know if something's going to appeal to you later on down the road like <clears throat> i mean there's a lot of people who Five years ago, I, I would have thought they looked ridiculous, but when you look back at it, they were pretty ahead of the curve, right? You know, and just wait, who says ahead of the curve? Ahead of the pack. <laughs> it's hey, man. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, but yeah, like I just I really love shooting people with an individual sense of style, and um, you know, the ones that are the ones that you want to mock are the ones that are actually you know, they're the ones you're going to remember. Yeah, you know, if if. If Kanye wasn't the one in that group, then we would have just laughed that off. But the fact that it was Kanye, you know, that's why we look back and think, holy shit. That's true. Yeah. I mean, the, the monograms Goyard and LV, and that was a cool time. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank for you. For coming on and, and doing this. And thank you so much, Tommy. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Blamo. Thanks again to Tommy for coming on. If you like what you heard, leave a review on iTunes. It helps let others know and discover the pod. Subscribe and listen to new and archive episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last but not least, you can find me elsewhere on the web on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast, or send me an email at jeremy at blamopod.com. See you next week.